All right, today we have another amazing episode of this podcast. My name is Andrew, and I am joined by my co-host. My name is Mike. Yeah, and Mike, today we have finally come up with a name for this podcast. Glory, hallelujah. I know, we literally just came up with it maybe 30 seconds ago. Mike, do you want to share the name really quick? Do I get the honor? Yeah, it's your idea. Oh I'm not going to rob okay. that from you. All right, so we have been talking a lot about what are we trying to accomplish here? What is the point? I mean, we like to ramble, and, and that's fun. Yeah. But we want to ramble with a direction. So, so what we have landed at for our podcast name is ancient ways for modern days. There we go. That's it. That's what we're talking about because how the Bible applies to life today yep. in the context of us individual life, mm-hmm. in the context of a family, in the context of culture at large. Yes. And so this is kind of the ever expanding Bible influence on how we live. That's right. So the, 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 the boilerplate would be ancient ways for modern days, how the word of God impacts lives, families, and our communities. Yeah. Right. And so we're just going to be diving into a lot. That's why we talk theology, biblical theology and how it actually applies because this stuff is important. That's right. Theology, it really informs how we live, how, what you do is based on what you believe and what you believe is either based on stuff that you've made up or stuff that God has revealed. And we have to align our lives with what God has revealed. So I'm excited, man. It's a good day. It is a good day. I, uh, I woke up with a million things that I was going to tackle and I was kind of just gearing up for it. But right now I've just like a breath of fresh air Let's do just, it. just came in. So Andrew, Mike, Andrew's yeah. already got a t-shirt idea, right? I do. I've got logo ideas. There we go. I'm really, I'm going to be upset though, because we checked it. You, you pitched the idea and I checked iTunes. I checked SoundCloud. I checked a couple other libraries to make sure no one else already has this. I think there's one sermon that we found a sermon that's called this, but there's no podcast. Called okay. This. I'm going to be really upset if I find out that someone else already has this, this brand. So uh, I, I actually might go buy the website domain. I'm going to go buy all sorts of domains go just do to your, make go sure. Go do your thing. That's right. Go that's do right. the An- Andrew type stuff. That's right. Just to make sure we secure that sucker because we are ancient ways for modern days. <laughs> that's right. So Mike, how are you today, man? It's uh, at the time of this recording, it's uh, it's Thursday morning. It is Thursday man, it's morning. A, it's already been a kind of a crazy week, man. How you doing? Doing great. Um, you know, Thursdays, we record Thursdays and I actually, yeah. this is my second recording today. My first recording is early 6am with our buddy Jackson, who oh, actually right. does yeah. the sound for this. And we who does, were, yeah, who edits for our, this podcast. Yeah. So. And, uh, and so I film a sermon for all the satellite services that Valley gets the, the honor of leading throughout Longview. And so in, in a few nursing homes and in the jail, they take a DVD of a, a short sermon and they run a service every week. You know, for people who are kind of just getting to know our church, do you kind of want to explain really quick what our satellite services are? Because I think not every church has a satellite service and that's what we call them. Do you kind of want to explain what that is? Yeah, so it's basically, uh, we, we have a, a small, kind of a small army of folks that are part of Valley. They're part of our community of Valley and then they go out and they take content generated from Valley and they go minister to people who can't come to a service, right? Yeah. And so you think about a nursing home, the people there, they're not as mobile as, as you know, most people or as other people. And so we take content there. And so typically there's a DVD with a handful of worship songs on it. 
And then there's a DVD with a short message, usually 20 to 30 minutes uh, that I preach on Thursday mornings in front of a camera. And so that way we're equipping people to go out and, and lead a small congregation. Right. They have the tools. That, so you don't have to be someone who can preach necessarily to go in there and meet the needs of the people in those, those small areas yeah. that can't get to a church service. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, uh, I had the opportunity to go and, and attend one of those services. I was filling in for someone who would normally be leading one of those things. And you know what? That is such a blessing for them. I I think, and and for me as well, um, with these, these people, when they get together, it gives them a reason to come to fellowship It builds community. And honestly, I think more of our church, it would be great if we took the time to really start visiting people who are stuck in some of these situations, obviously like the jail, probably not the best, but like, these some of the uh, the retirement homes that we go yeah. to, man, these people love so much just the the human interaction, right? To remember that they're not just thrown by the wayside, yeah. To 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 be loved and engaged. So, so. It, it's actually fun. I, I went by uh, one of these uh, homes two days ago to okay. visit a guy that's part of our church. They recently moved into one. And, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get when you go into that. And so I went and I found him. It took me a little while to find him. He wasn't in his room. He had just finished lunch. He was headed back to his room and he actually, he kind of made it clear he did not want to visit from me because he was going to go back to his room and watch a John Wayne movie that he had not seen before. And so he was very excited about that. He gave me the obligatory, like, Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm glad you're here. And then he was like, okay, pastor, bye. I'm going to go watch John Wayne. So nice. But it was wonderful. You know, that's good. That's good. You know, they, they have their interests and their hobbies. And we're just also providing opportunity if they ever want to get out to, to yeah. not watch a John Wayne movie, but maybe connect go. with other people. So there you go. <laughs> that's cool. Mike, we've got a lot of things going on uh, this upcoming week. Some things I kind of want to sh- throw a shout out to. Yeah. We have the Northwest Baptist Convention coming up this upcoming week. So at the time, actually, the day this podcast should drop. Uh, we will be headed up north, up north Washington, to uh, to connect with other Southern Baptist churches in the Washington, Oregon, Idaho mm-hmm. area. Yep. Do you kind of want to explain what is convention? Yeah, it's actually it's so it's it's the network of churches that are like minded in terms of how we view doctrine and how we view mission. And yeah. there's roughly 500 of them across the Northwest. Yeah, and not all of them will be representative, but it's it's. Uh, it's a gathering where we come together for encouragement. We come together for some resourcing. It's honestly, it's a great time to see, you know, friends. It is. You don't get to see very often and connect with them. And so we're going to be there. It's actually kind of in our backyard. It's only about 40 minutes right. away from where we live, which is wonderful. We don't have to travel as far as we've had to in, in other years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we're going to hang out with one of my friends says, uh, our Baptist buddies. Yes. Right. We're going to hang out with our Baptist bros. There you is go. what we're going to do. And it's cool because, I mean, if you've been if you've been in the Northwest long enough, you eventually start to connect with other pastors, especially in, in this Baptist world that we have. And it's this is kind of like a year, like an annual time for us to get together, connect with people. There is great resourcing. There is mm-hmm. great uh, speakers who come. But I honestly, I love to just I look forward to just connecting with people and getting to know them and kind of networking and kind of dreaming dreams. As a matter of fact, actually, I met you for the first time. At a convention, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, when convention was held down in Eugene. Yep, I think, yeah. 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 We, we went to lunch with Lance. We did. I remember I, I went there with my former boss before you were pastor here at, yeah. at Valley Christian Fellowship. And he pointed you out and he goes, hey, you see that guy with the green messenger bag? And I'm like, oh, yeah. He goes, that's one of the guys we're looking at to pastor this church. And I said, 
I like that bag because <laughs> at the time I also had a messenger bag. That's a good bag, man. Yeah. Yeah. I should bring that out this winter. I don't know. I, I like messenger bags, but I quit wearing mine because I, I overloaded it and I started having back issues because you're always pulling on whatever side, but that's another conversation. But yeah, man, convention's awesome because we met, uh, Lance took us out to lunch, got to know you a bit. You got to know me. And then like fast forward like a year, year and a half later, here we are actually two years now. And you're stuck with me. Uh, you're actually more like you're stuck with me. We're stuck me. with each other. So I think, uh, I think the, the conversation I had with, with Lance was like, he hired me, but you inherited me. <laughs> <laughs> what an inheritance. <laughs> However you want to look at that. All right. So convention's coming up. And in that, uh, we get an opportunity to, we're setting up a time to interview the president is that, is that what he is? Or executive the exec- director. Sorry, the executive director. He's not like a Baptist Pope or something. No. But our director of the convention. And yeah. so what, what, I guess, what is the responsibilities of the director, right? Because I don't want people thinking that we, like churches, we answer to no, someone. No, no, we don't answer to him in a right. sense. I mean, if, if we were a church that was teaching bad doctrine, we, we would answer to him in a sense because mm-hmm. he, we would likely be to sell fellowship from that, right? If, if we were doing things outside of scripture, right. then the, the collection of churches together led by him in a sense would say, hey, you, you need to align with scripture, right? Right. <clears throat> but it's not top down necessarily. Right. It's, I guess what I was going for is we, we are autonomous. Yes. But um, because of we, 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 we are partnering yeah. We submit to, to this, this leadership. Yeah. yeah. And so his name is Randy Adams. Um, we're hoping to actually interview him for a short time next week. Yeah. And, um, but basically he, he is responsible for organizing, for collaboration, for giving vision for our cooperative kind of programs here in the Northwest. Um, they talk a lot about encouraging pastors because healthy pastors lead healthy churches. They talk That's a right. lot about resourcing churches for evangelism. And then the third piece is, is, church planning in the Northwest. And so helping churches cooperate to plant more churches, to plant new churches. That's, that's kind of, I guess his responsibility says, I understand it, how it's broken up. We should ask him that question though, and see how he responds. I think we should. I think actually now that I think about it, we should probably, cause you told me we only get 15 minutes with him. I should really think about what we want to ask him and send him those questions first. So we are not wasting his time there we by go. the time that happens. I say that but I'll probably wait to the last minute to throw something together. I'm just joking. I'll work on that today. Now, next, or right after Randy, we also get to connect with Chad. 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 So I want to talk about Chad because he is coming to preach yep. here, here at Valley. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Do you, do you want to kind of explain who Chad is? Because I, I think it's okay that we oversaturate. Some people who listen to the podcast will maybe hopefully watch the video we make and then get to know him a little bit more. Yeah. So, Ch- so. Chad's a friend. We met him through uh, through Cluster. Yeah. So the Cluster that we're part of that meets in Vancouver. He's down. Cluster is a, a gathering of pastors yeah. on, on a monthly so it's, basis. You know, yeah five to 15 pastors gather together for prayer, encouragement, some training. And, uh, and so we got to new Chad through that. And he, we, with a group of those guys, we've actually talked about sharing some pulpits and, and doing some, you know, sermon sharing and things yeah. like that. Um, but he said, Hey, the week after convention, how about he and I switch pulpits right? and we can preach one of our best sermons at each you know, something I've preached recently and something he's preached recently. Mm-hmm. That way we don't have to worry about sermon prep during convention. Right. And so it's great. He, he's going to come and he's going to preach here at Valley yep. the weekend after. And I'm going to go down to Wilsonville 
And uh, yeah, I think I get the better deal. I don't know. He's going to preach three sermons in two days, and I'm going to preach one sermon on one day. Yeah, and I was so, thinking about that. Are you going to be around Saturday night to? to no, I'm doing a him? wedding Saturday night oh, that's actually, right. that's and so right. that's it's kind of worked out really well. It's allowed me to be able to do that also. That's awesome. So I'm excited to connect, to connect with Chad. He's a pastor down in Wilsonville, Creekside. Creekside, yeah, actually, and he's he's helped us out a lot with just some. Uh, his church is killing it when it comes to social media communications. And uh, he's kind of, he's kind of give, given us some tips and things like that. We're going to move forward with a lot of new things. But, man, he's he's really good at that. I also like Chad because he and I are from the same school. We both went to Corbin, except for he graduated, I think, the year I started. He was a baseball player. So, I mean, I think that's why you like him, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And, we don't, we don't uh, hold the fact that he went to Corbin against him. No, I, I don't. I, yeah, I mean. That's a brotherly thing for me. Yeah, I mean. We're rebels together. So... Anyway, anyway, so that's that's what's coming up. We also, as a church, as a local church, we have our Thanksgiving meal. Actually, that kind of just falls into the holiday guide. Yeah, I'm not sure what we want to tackle first here, but uh, maybe we'll talk about Thanksgiving. Yep, right. That's that's coming up. We have a church potluck that's coming up, and the opportunity here is to connect. Man, we are a church that has three separate. Uh, locations. And sometimes we forget that we are one church that loves people. And it's great for us just to come together to be in fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And honestly, if you if you want to look at it as a, uh, a networking opportunity, there's a lot of people to connect with and, and to collaborate with. And this is an opportunity for that is to just come meet people who are part of the same body, share a meal and just laugh and have fun. Yeah. So yeah. that's going to be great. The other thing we have is this weekend we are handing out our advent guide. Yes. Which yes. is something we tried last year, which basically is a, it's a little bit of a, uh, a booklet mm-hmm. that helps families, helps individuals think through the holidays in a way that gets us away from thinking about just ourselves. And so yeah. there's service opportunities, there's community resources in there. And there's actually, we've added onto it some this year. And so now we have uh, a section that says, how do you lead a family devotion on Christmas morning? And so we want families to be able to do that well. Right. And there's also a book recommendation for a book called Jotham's Journey, which I think yeah. maybe we mentioned the last we, podcast. You, actually, you talked about it last week. I added so, a, uh, actually, I, did, I uploaded a, uh, a link to that cool. so that people can purchase that. Yep. And so I, I just wrote about it a little bit and how we use it and how the author recommends using it. And so, again, we're just trying to say, let's make the, the holidays meaningful. Let's slow down. Let's step away from some of the consumerism. Let's aim at family connection and worship of the Lord and then serving people in need. And so yeah. that's what that's that guide's designed to do. And I think it's taken a step forward this year and yeah. it's going to be a really great resource for yeah. people. So for any listener who's like, man, I hate the commercialization of the holidays. I want the holidays to be meaningful. This guide is for you, especially, I mean, if, if you are someone listening on the internet, that you're not from Longview, you know what? There are actually, there are still things to be looking for. There are, uh, there are things for you. So there's the Advent Guide, Jotham's Journey. There's an opportunity to lead that devotion that you were talking about. But especially in Longview, we open up opportunities of where to, where to give and where to get plugged in. If you just want to make sure that there's an, an extra meaningful emphasis on the holidays, right? We're, we as a church, we want to avoid going into debt. We want to not promote commercialism, but we want to promote meaningfulness. And that's, that's the heart behind this. So I'm excited to make that available for other people. And you know what I just realized is now that we've said that, even though we give that out at the services, I should upload a digital version of that so that people can just click on it and there it is made available to them. I'm going to make a note of that right now. Awesome. Yeah. That'll be a really helpful tool if someone can 
I guess click right below here and download it, right? Yeah, for sure. That should be available on this podcast once that's once this is uploaded and once this is released. So, Mike, I uh, I was thinking there is something in the news that I I kind of wanted to address, and if we're not ready to address it, that's okay. Because I marked it, and I cut it out. But uh, did you see the headlines this morning about John Christ? Actually, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe we should comment a little bit on that situation, but maybe, maybe, maybe this isn't the time for that. And you know, I, I guess the, he, what, what I know is he has canceled his tour. Yes. He is um, admitted to some, uh, some sexual sin, Yep. some inappropriate relationships or remarks or pursuit of, of women. And that's yeah. about all I know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much more we want to comment, not knowing a whole lot of the facts, but I'd say, man, he's a comedian. He's a funny guy. He, he, you know, I've watched some of his videos mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I, I hope that he is for whatever is true. I hope he's truly repentant Yeah, and I hope he's turning into the Lord and I hope he's got people around him that are aiming at res- restoring him. you know? Right. And I think, I think that was the, the, the comment I was wanting to make is that when, when news like this breaks out, it's really easy to grab like a pitchfork and just start getting really upset and getting angry. But I think as Christians, we should hope that he truly is repentant and pray that he truly is restored in that. Because that's we're, we're, we're a faith based on the word of God, which calls us into repentance. And we've talked about this in, in Church Restoration a couple of weeks ago, that if he was caught in this, whatever, whatever, whatever it has happened in the situation that he's currently in now, we want to see God's goodness come through through restoration. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I know like, especially these sexual allegations that were made, like they, they can be really hot button topics, but at the end of the day, we want to see restoration for yeah. everyone involved. This is why, you know, I think about a guy like that, who's got a big platform and you wonder how connected he is to a local church. Right. You wonder if people know what's going on in his life. And if he, he has those relationships that, see that have visibility into who he is and what he's doing that, mm-hmm. you know, like I mean, we need that. And this is, I mean, it goes back to our conversation, like local church, like how vital it is for the protection of a soul, for the thriving of a soul. Like we, we need each other. We need to be in, in church community and covenant relationship with each other so that man, we, we can be protected from this stuff. And then when we do fall, hopefully he's got right, the right people walking with him and, and preaching the gospel to him and showing him who Jesus is and that forgiveness, that, that redemption that, that just is available, you know? Yeah. And that's actually, that's, so that's a good segue into our conversation today because we have been, we have been discussing the nine marks of a healthy church and the hope that is that this, cause the truth is, Regardless if you have a large platform or not, we all eventually, we fail, we fall. And the hope for all of us is that Christ through his body works for our good to restore us into right fellowship with him and the rest of creation and that God is glorified. And that has everything to do with being part of a healthy biblical church. Yeah. Now in the discussions that we've been having for the past few past few weeks now is that we've been discussing the nine marks today. We're going to be discussing biblical leadership, yeah. right? And the model of that church, church polity, I believe it's, is the term or is that? Yeah. Some of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so every time we've done this, you've kind of gone through the steps, how each step, each mark leads to the next mark as, as this, a pretty sequential order. Do you kind of want to kick off again and kind of go through the nine marks? Hey, I want to do that. I actually want to introduce something a little bit before that though, because you okay. know, we're, we're talking ancient, 
ancient ways for modern days. Right. right? Yeah. And so I think I want to read a scripture to start and then, okay. and then we'll, you know, look at those nine marks and kind of review them and then jump into biblical leadership. But, yeah. but this, the text that, that we'll handle sooner or later today, um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Uh, that's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Now, that's going to be where our conversation lands. But in way of review, the nine marks we've gone through, this is this is Mark 9, which means we've been doing this for over two months now. Um, yeah. But the first one is expository preaching. And so this is a, a high view of the preaching of God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, pulling the ideas out of the text, not placing your ideas into the text, right? Right. And then we have biblical theology. So the, the grand narrative of scripture, how it all connects together, how there's one true story that is about God and his, his rescuing of man, which is Mark three, which is a, a biblical picture of the gospel. And so we talk about here being gospel driven. This means Jesus's death and resurrection is the foundation of everything we do. It's our identity. It's what drives us to ministry. It's what drives us to be a church. It's actually what defines us as a church. Yeah. So that's Mark three, Mark four then is a true understanding of conversion. And so to be, you know, converted means that you have placed your faith in Jesus. Yep. You've been justified. You've been given a new heart. You've, you've repented from your sins and you are now living in right relationship with God. And then in that, then we view evangelism. That's the next mark as a high importance, right? We want to, uh, be sharing this gospel. We want to tell others about Jesus as much as possible. As that happens, what, what naturally occurs is a church is formed. Mm-hmm. So then the next mark is, is biblical membership. We've talked about that quite a bit. We've actually preached on that. And then that goes into church discipline. When someone is airing, how do we deal with that? How do we restore Mark eight? We talked about last week is discipleship and growth. Like we should be progressing in the faith. Right. And now finally, <gasps> deep breath. That's right. Uh, okay. A church requires, if it's going to be healthy, biblical leadership, a a proper understanding of of what leadership in the church looks like. Right, right. And one of the topics I'm very passionate about is the idea of servant leadership. That's that we'll we'll eventually hit that uh, eventually. But do you kind of want to give us uh, the flow of the topic? I guess today, like where 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 do you want to jump in in this? Because this could be a discussion that we could probably have just a podcast on just leadership. Right, we could discuss leadership for for years. So how do you, what's the best way to jump into this conversation? Yeah. So I think the question is who leads the church? Okay. Right. And, and what Mark Dever does in, in this chapter is he talks about, I, I think like three aspects of how to answer that question. Okay. Right. So ultimately who leads the church? Well, there's the, first of all, the, the monarch view that he talks about, which, okay. uh, the monarch is Jesus. That's right. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the king. He is the one that everyone else finds its source in. Jesus is the ultimate authority, especially as reflected in his word. Right. Yes. And so King Jesus, we've got to remember he he is the authority, right? Yes. And so are we just a bunch of a a mass of people to say, okay, well, Jesus is king. So we we do whatever, like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. Right. And so then he talks about another way to view leadership in the church is he talks about the congregation. Yeah. And so he says that this is like the, the democratic, like democracy of the church. And so you look at, what is it? Um, act six, when, when deacons are appointed, how does that work? The, the congregation appoints them, Yeah, right? The congregation is the one that makes the determining factor of, of this is 
This is who is going to serve in this role. They appoint the leaders, right? You look at, um, he talks about first Corinthians five when there's a church discipline issue and, and he actually instructs, Paul instructs the church, the whole church, the congregation to place someone outside of the church. And so this is a, a democratic kind of function of the church is the whole church, the entire congregation, they have the leadership role. Even he, he cites Galatians chapter one, when Paul is, he's kind of given it to the Galatians yeah. because they are, they're erring in the way they're viewing the gospel. And he's recognizing that it's the, the responsibility of the entire congregation to, to be attuned to doctrine and be faithful biblically. Right. And so first aspect of who leads the church, the monarch King Jesus, right. second aspect of who leads the church is the democracy, the entire church. Right. And you think about it, that makes sense because people, they lead the church, leave, excuse me, they lead the church very simply by the way they come or not. Right. Right. Yeah. People can walk away at any time. There, there's no like, like I don't have any power to force someone to come to church or to be part of the church. Correct. No one does. Right. Yeah. It's completely voluntary. And so when the church gathers, it's those who are voluntarily gathering together because they understand the scripture and then they voluntarily, they give input. Mm-hmm. They voluntarily give resources, give their time, give their energy. And so that's that second aspect. But then the third aspect, and that's kind of where our conversation is going to land today is the aspect of, well, there's actual leaders, right? There are those who are appointed. Mm -hmm. And so the question then is, okay, Hebrews chapter 13, 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are the ones that keep watch over your soul as those who are going to give an account to God, let them do this with joy, right? Mm -hmm. Because of, you know, or without difficulty, because that would not be good for you. Right. Right. So who are these leaders? Right. How do we determine who these leaders are? Mm -hmm. Um, What is the role, the responsibility of the leaders? What is the qualification for those leaders? And so when, I guess I'm rambling a little bit, but when we talk about church leadership, that's really what we're ultimately talking about. Jesus is authority. The congregation is an authority, but then there's a, in a sense, a representative authority that leads the church. Yeah. Because I mean, we are Baptists and Baptists have a history of committees. We're not a heavy committee church, but right. do we, we personally want, are not. Yeah. Do we want a committee making every single decision in the church? No, we do not. Right. Do we want a committee saying how every penny is going to be spent? Do we want a committee saying how every sermon that's going to be preached? Right. right. Now we do have a finance committee and they determine the, the broad strokes of right. the budget. Right. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things. But we ultimately, we want to find biblical leaders. Mm-hmm to lead the charge in certain areas. And so there are, there are nuances to the things that we're saying here because ultimately Jesus is the authority ultimately, right? Because it's Jesus who opens churches. He closes churches. He, he brings people to churches. He raises leaders outside of churches, but in, and then within the congregation, they have the power to exercise the ability to recognize those leaders. And there's that tension there yeah. between congregations affirming leadership, but then after they affirm that leadership, trusting that leadership and submitting to that, to that leadership. And I think, I think that's the tension that we see in, in today. I I was thinking about, um, you know, barriers for people, people who, when we talk about leadership and they think about these, these things like, Oh, I don't want, I can't trust this or I can't do whatever because they've been burnt in the past by unhealthy leadership. And I think one of the things that we should probably touch on the idea is like Jesus ultimately is the authority. So assuming, I I guess 
thinking about what you just said with just that, that, that first aspect of Jesus being the, the authority, man, if you, if you're part of a church and the leadership is starting to, or has done something or is about to go a direction that you feel like just isn't right. If Jesus is the authority, if we can assume that Jesus is the authority, what should we be assuming? I guess, or what, how, what should our mind frame be when, when I guess dealing with things that we don't agree with? Yeah, that's a great tension because you have to determine in your mind as you read the scripture and you're in like, what are the issues that are, that are deal breakers in a sense, right? Right. You know, if the leadership decide to carpet the, the, the sanctuary and you don't agree with the color, man, you got to get over that. Correct. That's, that's not the kind of issue that mm-hmm. is a make or break deal, right? If the leaders start teaching something that is clearly contrary, especially to a major doctrine in the right. scripture, man, you've, you've got to really, you, you got to put your foot down, right? Yeah. Mark Dever, he talks about a, a time where he was listening to a sermon and the, the, the person was preaching and they were basically denying original sin, right? That, yeah. That's just clear as day in the scripture. Mm-hmm. He says in, 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 chap, in this, this chapter, he says, I loudly stood up and I loudly walked out. Mm-hmm. because he did not want to be giving approval as someone sitting listening to the message. And so that's kind of the, the interplay between Jesus as authority, elders as authority, and the congregation as authority. That interplay there recognizes that the congregation has to, A, trust Jesus, and then B, they have to be able to trust their leaders with authority. And that goes back to that tension, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think he fleshes out very deeply in the, in the chapter, but I pictured him with a scale and on one side of the scale, you have trust. And on the other side of the scale, you have authority and you, you want those, you want that scale to be balanced out well. Right. Yeah. So the congregation does not want to give like, does not want to say, Oh yeah, we trust you so much and just build a bunch of trust on that trust side, Mm -hmm. but say, Oh, but we don't really want you to have any authority. We just want you to be like a a figurehead or, you know, like a placeholder, right? That's not healthy. It's not at all. And there are plenty of churches that do that. Yeah. 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 So the the people that are actually the ones with the influence and the the ability to make things happen aren't in positions of leadership. And so people in leadership, they're basically hamstrung. They they can't lead. The flip side of that though, is when we place a ton amount of authority in the life of a leader, but we don't build the trust. Right. So like we, we basically, there's no accountability, there's no oversight, there's no visibility. Right. And a lot of times this happens. And if the church does not have a plurality of elders, if there's just one leader, um, I mean, there's tons of leaders in the news that you see this happen with, right. Yeah. Where they have so much authority and the trust over time, it, it diminishes, diminishes, diminishes. And usually the, that kind of goes down in a f- flaming wreck. Right. Yeah. So the, the tension that scale, we want to have a high level of trust and, and give a, a, a high level of authority to our leaders that matches that trust, right? Right. Yeah. So so then the, the, the flow of the conversation then would go, if we should have trust in our leaders, if we should um, be wary, but also submit to them, that means there, there has to be qualifications of a leader. And the Bible does clearly lay out what we are looking for when we are looking for leaders. Yep. Do you, do you want to kind of go over that? Yeah. So when we talk about leadership, we're not talking about perfect. This is the tension, right? Because Hebrews 13 says, obey your leaders and submit to them. And it's saying you need to obey imperfect human beings. Right. Does that sound fun? No. Right. That, that sounds difficult, but what we want to do, what every church really has to do is, is place 
trustworthy people in those leadership positions. Yeah. And the Bible says, okay, here are the qualifications, right? The classic spot is, is first Timothy three. It says the saying is trustworthy. Paul writing to Timothy, who's Timothy's job is to install elders, right? He says, if anyone aspires to the office of an overseer or an elder, he desires a noble task task is, and this is going to be work. Yeah. Says therefore an overseer must be above reproach. And that's the key term in this entire passage. Yeah. To be above reproach means there's an accus- no accusation can stick to them. No one can grab onto their character saying that they have a major character flaw. Right. And then it describes the kind of character qualifications. So I want to touch on a word that you just said. It's that no accusation can stick to them. Not yeah. no accu- accusation can be made of them. Yeah. Is there, there's a distinction there. Right? Well, I mean, we live in a world where anyone can make any accusation at right. any time. Right. Mm-hmm. And we also... The reality is like this, this meat above reproach means that they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. This is okay. You want to come to me and say, Hey, sometimes my, you know, if I'm playing a game, maybe I, uh, I, I get a little too competitive. Yeah. Right. Okay. That that's a little bit different than saying Mike is always looking out for himself and is selfish and rude and mm-hmm. belittling of people, right? Those those right. are different things, right? Right. And so this does not mean you're perfect. What it does mean though is that there are not these major sin habits that are clinging to your life, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's above reproach. And then it says a husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he will become puffed up with the conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. And we could, you're right. This is one of those passages that we could just flesh out for weeks on end. Oh yeah. But the big picture is this is, this is a a church elder is a man of high character quality, Mm -hmm. someone who is trustworthy, right? If someone fulfills those qualifications, that's someone you can look at and say, I'm going to trust them not to always make the the best decision ever, but I'm going to trust them to move things forward and be part of making decisions that, that are good decisions. Yeah. If someone meets those qualifications, you could say that you could probably be pretty confident, confident in betting on them. Right. And that's what we're saying is that if someone meets these things that we're not asking them to be hundred percent perfect, but we are looking for them to be solid. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, that's the point behind that. And you add that to the reality that elders are a plurality, right? So this isn't just one elder alone who meets Mm -hmm. these qualifications. It's a group of men with different backgrounds, different thought processes, right? But all striving to be godly men when they gather together and they make the decision, you can guarantee this is not a decision made lightly. This is not a decision that's just, they're going off a whim or emotion. They're prayerfully, thoughtfully, as they examine the scripture, right. leading the church the best they can. Right. Right. Now, do elders make wrong, wrong decisions sometimes? Yeah. 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 And are there going to be decisions that people hear the elders make that they don't agree with fully? Probably. Yeah. But the question is, are, are they trustworthy? Do you, do you believe that God is leading them as, as men of character? That's really what you want in, in a, a group of elders. Right. So I think about the person who, who listens to this maybe, and they come from a church where they felt like, their elders were domineering or maybe they had a deacon board that was just ruling with an iron fist. And honestly, at that level, that's, that's pretty unhealthy, 
right? But at the same time, I think about when you encounter something like that, you might already have uh, now an aversion to any form of leadership because I, I think about it all the time. Hurt, hurt churches hurt people, and then those hurt people, when they, when they go to a healthy church, they project what they've experienced onto what they're experiencing now. I think right there is recognizing that in leadership, leadership is not perfect. But if, if the gospel is true, we need to be able to recognize that there are churches, there are leaders who will fail and probably f- practice failure. But if Jesus, if Jesus is the authority, this goes back to that, yep. we should be praying for those elders and praying mm-hmm. for our leaders. Actually, let me back that up. For even a healthy church, because Jesus is Lord, we should be praying for our leaders. Amen. We should be praying for our pastors, our deacons, our, our elders, our Sunday school teachers, and all these leadership positions because Christ is speaking to them and we should be praying that they would hear and they would submit to his will because we are trying, we, are, we want to trust them. Yeah. You know, the issue here, is it, it comes down to, you mentioned earlier, is authority. And in our modern day, authority is a four-letter word. Yeah. We do not want authority. Right. And part of that is because there's been bad authority in the past. There's been abusive authority. There's been failed authority. Right. But let's let's again, our, we're calling our podcast ancient ways for modern days. Mm-hmm. What are what are the ancient ways? The ancient ways actually say that there is a kind of authority modeled after the character of God that is healthy. Yeah. It's actually what you and I need. A family needs the authority of, of a dad, not domineering not abdicating. They need the authority of a dad who, who does what's best for his family, who lovingly leads his wife and lovingly cares for his kids. They need that. That's when a family thrives. A church, a church needs that. A church needs elders who are engaged, who lovingly make the hard decisions. They make the best decisions they can. They're walking in Christ-like character, not perfect, right? But stumbling their way forward, not with glaring sin, but, mm-hmm. but really growing in righteousness, right? When church has that, that sets the people up for success, for spiritual yeah. growth that breathes life into a community. Right. Yeah. Leadership is such a powerful thing. And I, I, so in, in our discussion prior to recording, we talked about some of the elements of this chapter. And if, if we were calling people into being leaders, I think one of the aspects we need to really wrap our mind around is the idea of servant leadership. Uh, I think about the passage you, you just read from first Timothy, especially like, you know, not allowing a new convert to become a deacon or an elder. And that makes so much sense. I think about, I have been a Christian, I've been a Christian since I was eight years old, but I, I know what it's like to be cocky and arrogant. I, I deal with my own arrogance every day, but especially just right outside of Bible college, man, I was filled with so much knowledge that I really thought that I knew what was best for our church, but not never listening to my own church. And I failed them. I, 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 I'm so thankful that they, they forgave me and they walked with me. But when I, it wasn't until I got here to Longview that I really started to think about what does it mean to be a servant leader? Not just a leader, but a servant leader, that I serve others with my leadership. That's, that's something that I think all leaders need to, to wrap their mind around. That, that idea comes out of Jesus' words, right? When he's yeah. talking about how the, the leaders of this world, they lord over mm-hmm. others with their authority. Yeah. And he says, but it should not be that way with you. Right. 
And he talks about how the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, right? Like to, to be the, the one who is the lead means to be the one who is the servant. And that's, that's a key element of biblical leadership. But, right. but here's the thing, taking that and that alone is not a complete vision of leadership. So I, I like, I like some of how Mark uh, writes this out because toward the end of the chapter, he talks about four aspects of biblical leadership for a biblical leader. Okay. And he uses the word boss okay. as an, uh, an acronym. And I, maybe that's not the greatest word, you know, yeah. cause such bad connotation, right? Because again, someone <clears throat> might have an aversion to that because of some bad experience, but yeah. But he uses it and he, he draws four triangles. Okay. The first triangle, it has the, the, the triangles faced upward. In the very top of that, there's a circle. And this is literally saying that the, the, the leader is the word he uses as boss. Yeah. He is the authority. He's the decision maker. He's the tone center. He's the, the visionary. Mm-hmm. These are the things that an elder does, right? And so, so this is a triangle that's basically a pyramid. <clears throat> yes, okay. exactly. And the next triangle is an arrow pointed forward. Okay. And so the, the very front of that arrow is circled. And he talks about um, this is the leader who is out in front. Yeah. So they're leading by example. They're not saying, do what I say, not what I do. They're actually being someone who is imitating Christ. And so they're worthy of being imitated. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're saturated in the scripture. They're praying daily. They are doing the hard things of life. They're caring for people. They're out in front leading the charge, mm-hmm. right? You need a leader that's doing that. You don't want the leader like Saul versus Goliath when he's scared in his tent right. when he should have been the one out there challenging and David yeah. comes and he actually leads, right? So you want a leader who's out in front. The next triangle is pointed down or no, actually it's pointed backwards. Yeah. And, and so it's expanding. Mm-hmm. It's from the narrow spot expanding forward and the circle is on the back. So then for, for like our listeners, this, the, the out in front is like the, uh, the greater than symbol, right? Where the, the fatter side of the triangle is on one side yes. and it, and it closes Yep. Towards, towards the right. And then now you're talking about a triangle that is kind of like the less than symbol. Yes. Except for now it's the smaller point is on the left opening forward. Okay. Well, great description. That's okay. exactly right. Just real quick. This is a, this is not a visual medium. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll post a, a picture or something. Yeah, that would be good. Um, so. But this is the leader supplies. And so you think yeah. about Ephesians chapter four and, and God gives gifted leaders to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So they are equipping with the word of God. They're equipping with encouragement and challenge and resource. And so they're supplying the, the needs of the saints. And the last triangle is upside down. Okay. And so the, it's the, the point so is going down. down. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so the circle there is the, the bottom one circle. And this is the servant. And so yeah. you have B, O-S-S, right? Boss, out in front, supplying, and then servant. And so this is where you're laying down your life for the needs of the church, where you're not doing what's best for you, you're doing what's best for your people. Yeah. And this is, this is rounding leadership out in a way that says, if you just take one of those aspects, you're not going to be a healthy leader. If you're just the boss, do what I say, that is that is bad leadership, right? If you're just out in front and you're not making the, the necessarily the hard decisions of the boss, and you're not serving that that's unhealthy. If you're just supplying and you're not in the game, that's not healthy. And if you're just a servant, you're not boldly standing for right. what's right. That, that's not healthy. But all of those combined, that's a fuller picture, probably not a perfect picture, 
but it's but a, a fuller, fuller picture, picture you know, of what healthy leadership in the church looks I, like. That's, that's such an encouragement and a conviction for me as I listen to that, because I think about where I was coming to Valley and where I'm at now. Speaking as a leader within, within our church, I think about uh, servant leadership and I, servant leadership. I think I've, I've grown up much in that. And I think that's just been the drum I've been beating. And I have the narcissist that I am. It's, I have no problem being out in, in front. But I realized in the last couple of months that like where I'm wanting to grow is number one, resourcing, right? Being behind people and sending down yeah. tools down the pipeline to, to empower, to equip our people for, for, for the work of the ministry. And then honestly, because of our culture, I think, I think there are times when like I, I struggle with this, just making sure that I'm exercising my authority because I don't want to rub up against someone. But I realized like people put me in a position because they need me to make decisions. And I need to do those decisions in the name of Christ. And I just, there's a healthy balance of that. You know, I don't want to be that guy who dictates everything, but at the, at the end of the day, as leaders, we're called to make decisions. So I do like, I like the idea of these different, these four elements that come to leadership because without all those things, you can err by, by excess on, I'm just focusing on just one thing. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So this, this is a big picture authority in the church. And, and again, a healthy church, yeah. we, we want healthy churches. A healthy church has healthy leadership. That's right. And so there's a couple things that could be done here. If a healthy church has healthy leadership, then I think a healthy congregation, again, will be praying for their leadership and for the direction of the church. They will, they will, a healthy congregation will look to affirm healthy leaders and they will in a healthy way submit to their leadership. That's, 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 that's this weird symbiotic Yep. relationship. At the same time, I think about people who are, who are struggling with the idea of submitting to authority. And that is an area that we have to give over to God and repent of. But then I think about the leader who honestly is, is overbearing and, and isn't a servant leader or isn't, a, or is too much of a boss or isn't equipping. That's an area that a leader needs to be repenting of yeah. as well. And so, even there though, who put that leader in place? Christ or the congregation? Well, ultimately all authority is placed, installed by God himself. That's true. Right. Okay. So God working through a congregation will put a leader in place and it might not be the best leader. God mm-hmm. working in a country put, put leaders in place. And you know, we, we don't agree with all of our poli- yeah. politicians, right? God is ultimately the authority and all authority is in pl- place by him. And that's written actually at a time when the authority were like murderers, yeah. right? Like in, mm-hmm. and cruel and persecutors. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have to keep big picture in mind. All authority is put in place by God. That's and true. the way we respond to authority is actually a reflection of the way we respond to God. Yeah. And there's always a perfect, there is a plan behind the, the, the installed leader. Cause I think about Saul, not Saul. Uh, yeah, yeah. Saul, King, King Saul and his purpose and why he was King over Israel. And then the, why David was installed both of those guys were installed by, by the Lord yep. and they were removed as well in, in different ways, but not just them though. Every yeah. pagan leader that's ever existed. You think about yeah. Nero and Nebuchadnezzar and yeah. Darius and all of those old Testament leaders that some were great and some were terrible, right? Some were complete heathens and pagans, like all leadership is in pl- put in place by God. Yeah. Sobering. It is something to wrestle with, something to contend with and something to, 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 walk through in our own hearts because how you respond to leadership is telling of your own relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So Mike, is there anything else you want to, to bring up? I mean, like I said, we, we've, 
this topic is something we can be discussing for forever. I think we handled the content well, at least from the chapter yeah. and kind of where he, how he views a lot of it. Yeah. So, so then, okay. With that said, we are coming up on time we're, we we've almost been going for 50 minutes, man. That's, that's pretty good. Do you, I like that we've been ending with prayer. Do you want to be praying for our listeners and praying for our leaders and praying for our congregations? Yeah, let's pray. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, who is the head of the church. He is the ultimate authority. And we thank you that you have, in your wisdom, you have created church leadership in a way that really, it's the ultimate checks and balance. Lord, you, you create a congregation that is the authority and you place leaders as the authority all under the authority of Jesus. And so father, I pray for, pray for Valley, but I pray for every church that, that calls on the name of Christ that preaches the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would be moving them toward a, a healthy view of leadership. God, I pray that you would, you would rise up, you, you would raise up strong leaders who, who boldly and faithfully proclaim your word, who are willing to do the hard thing. They're willing to do the right thing. God, I pray for, pray for those who are in churches that maybe are not experiencing healthy leadership. God, I pray your kindness and mercy would be shown to those churches and you, by your spirit, you would, you would bring about a change, whatever that might look like to bring that church closer to health. And God, ultimately we pray for healthy churches so that they can proclaim Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he is our savior. He is the, the anointed one who did the, the final work of a sacrificial death for our sins and then resurrected so we could have life. Lord, may our, our hope in him increase every day. We pray it in his name. Amen.